I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I love you, buds, but I'm cutting your throats. I am a millwright who specializes in rebuilding natural gas turbines. I run with a very top caliber crew where everyone has a role to fill. My role is overseeing anything that's lifted with a crane. My technical title is rigger. If a load falls, it's my fault. If someone gets hurt while I'm in control of a lift, it's my fault. If equipment is damaged while I'm in control of a lift, it's my fault. A millwright, by the way, is a skilled worker who works with industrial machinery. That means they'll work in factories, construction sites, anything like that. The incident in question happened about two years ago, but we'll need to go back a couple years further to get the backstory. I was a fresh member of the crew, and I demonstrated competency in rigging. So after roughly six months with this group, my superintendent put me in charge of all rigging. Now look, I wasn't the fastest rigger, but I was safety focused and insisted on doing it right every time, even if it took a little longer. This meant that my superintendent didn't have to watch over every rigging task and could go and relax because I had it under control. Another millwright joined the crew about the same time I did. We will call him Larry. Now, we didn't get along at first, but after a few months, we became friends. Larry was the act now, think later type. Much like the superintendent I travel under. Larry was therefore prone to making mistakes because of that attitude, but he was a very fast worker and worked like a mule at all times. And I respected that. He wasn't especially skilled in any one area, so he had no special position. That meant sometimes he'd get put on less glamorous work, and I soon learned he was very jealous of my position as the rigger. At times, he would make comments like, I'm gonna take your job. Not in getting me fired, but bumping me down a rung and him taking my spot as rigger. He'd come up behind me while I was looking over my checklist to point out something I may not have checked yet. If supervision was near, he'd make sure he was heard. At this point, I should mention this. I stick out like a sore thumb in this crew. I was raised in a very strict Christian cult, but in my mid-twenties, I realized what was going on and left at great cost. Losing my family and friends because of strict shunning rules the cult practices. Some of the stricter things stuck with me, like I've never been intoxicated. I don't use tobacco, no recreational drugs. I speak professionally without slang or colloquialisms for the most part, but these traits are the ones that stick out from a crew of men that travel the road and work in harsh environments away from home for months on end. But Larry, he fits right in. Larry quickly became the superintendent's puppy bringing him gifts of his favorite alcohol, staying out late after work with him, even rooming with him on the road. I, on the other hand, leave work, hit the gym, cook my food for the next day, and make sure I get at least six hours of sleep so I can perform the next day. I realized that that puts me at a disadvantage socially in the workplace, but I prefer to let my work speak for itself. Anyways, fast forward about 18 months. We're starting a project just before COVID hits. About two weeks into the job, I have to attend a mandatory class through my union. It's a 40-hour class and in a different state, so I'll be gone for pretty much an entire week with travel time. 
I get permission from supervision and leave with Larry rigging in my absence A few days later, i'm laying in bed stressing out about the final test I have to take the next morning If the test isn't passed the entire week is wasted I always psych myself out before a test but in reality I don't have anything to worry about as i'm a good student and I test well my phone goes off and it's a text from larry I love you bud but I'm cutting your throat, it says. I reply, what are you talking about? When you get back, I'll be the rigger. You can do the trash work from now on. I'm not proud of the response I came back with, but it's how I truly felt in the moment. Be careful about cutting the throat of someone smarter than you. Now, I'm far from the smartest person you'll ever meet, but I do enjoy reading, studying, and learning. And being smarter than Larry wasn't an accomplishment by any stretch of the imagination. The next morning, I passed the test and headed back to the job, where Larry had, in fact, usurped my position as rigor and was lording it over me as I went about doing the task that he would normally do. To be completely honest, it was kind of like a vacation at first. Getting paid nearly $40 an hour to clean parts or talk flanges with no stress? Yeah, sign me up. But I was upset. I was upset because I knew I did my job better than he would. I knew that he got along better with the superintendent because of their similar personalities, but I didn't feel that I should lose my position simply because Larry had more in common with our superintendent than I did. Regardless of that, I was now dealt these cards and I had to play them. Just three days after I got back from class though, the job was shut down. COVID-19 was just now sweeping the country. Out of an abundance of caution, the plant shut the project down until further notice. We were sent home for about three days and then called out to an emergency shutdown where a turbine had crashed. We roll out and are on the job 48 hours later in the middle of nowhere, Alabama. We get right to work. On this particular unit, you pull the entire roof off in two sections with a crane to open the enclosure. Compared to many things we lift in a project like this, the roof weighs very little. The turbine rotor may weigh over 100,000 pounds, but the roof usually weighs only about 7,000. Lightweight. But it is large and there are critical parts around the roof that can be damaged if not lifted correctly. Typical procedure is to be on top of the roof after it's unbolted, be in a full body harness and tied off to an approved anchor point capable of holding at least 5,000 pounds per OSHA regulations. We then slowly take the weight of the roof with the crane until it's floating and then climb down off of it and continue the lifts until it's set on the ground or on a truck to be moved. The superintendent instructs me to go on the roof with Larry and assist him. Do whatever Larry tells you to do. Okay, boss. I put on my harness and climb to the top beginning to assess the situation. The rigging to lift the roof is four five-ton chainfuls. It's capable of safely holding 20 tons, well over the weight of the roof. The crane is also well overrated for this lift, even with the boom extended all the way out in order to clear another building on the way to the ground. Larry has it all rigged up, but no tension on the wire rope slings. And then I notice his crucial mistake. He's forgotten to account for boom deflection. When a crane takes the weight of a load, the boom flexes down. Depending on the crane setup and the weight of the load, it can mean that while your crane hook might be centered in your load with no weight on the hook, once you get the weight of the load on the crane, the crane hook could be anywhere from a few inches to a number of feet off center, which means that when the load comes off the ground, it swings. Swinging is bad, always. Enough weight swinging could tip the crane, crash into equipment, crash into a person, 
It's very dangerous. At this point, I start calculating. Is this weight enough, even swinging, to tip this crane? No, not even close. Is it enough to break a chainfall? No, not even close. Are there any people working around us that could get hurt? Nope, it's just us. Is there any equipment that could be damaged if it swings? Yes. An electrical control panel, which has all power killed to it and has been disconnected, is in the swing path. So, I decide to let Larry hang himself. He looks at me and asks what I think. I tell him, this is your show, boss. He asks what I mean. I look him in the eye and draw my finger across my throat. He gets nervous because he knows exactly what I mean. He then starts double-checking everything and still doesn't notice the boom deflection. After a couple minutes, he decides I must be talking out of my butt and proceeds with the lift. I stop him and remind him to tie off with his harness. He doesn't realize it, but we're about to go for a ride. Generally, when I'm rigging, I first find out what the thing I'm rigging to weighs. It's a vital piece of information. If I know what it weighs, I can have the crane operator track how much weight he has on the crane and I'll be able to know when the object should start to pick up. If we get to over 10% more than the object should weigh, there may be something stopping it from moving and we need to stop and reassess the situation. The rigging could fail, the object you're lifting could jump into the sky, all kinds of mayhem may ensue if a hidden bolt holding something together breaks because you use too much force to lift it. I asked Larry if he knows how much the roof weighs. He doesn't. I do, but I don't tell him. He starts signaling the crane to slowly hoist up. The operator complies and starts lifting. I'm watching the boom get pulled more and more off center. We're probably two feet from the center of the load at this point meaning a swing that could travel nearly four feet. I stop Larry and ask him to see how much weight is on the crane. 11,000 pounds, 4,000 more than what it should weigh. This roof is a bind because we're not picking it straight up, but at an angle. It's either not going to move or we're about to fly. I brace myself, hoist up slowly. Larry calls over the radio. Boom! The whole roof shoots a good two feet into the air and swings wildly towards the control panel. Larry and I are riding it like pirates in the crow's nest in a hurricane. We crash into the control panel, bending it over at a 45 degree angle, destroying most of its components. People start pouring out of the nearby trailers to see what the commotion is all about. The crane operator is yelling over the radio, asking what the heck just happened. I'm smiling. Larry is shaking. He sees me smiling and knows that I knew. We get the roof set on the grounds and are met by our superintendent. He's chewing Larry's butt hard, not literally, I hope. He gets to me and asks why I let it happen. And I just say, I just did what Larry told me to do. The superintendent is no dummy. He's seen a thing or two and knows exactly what went down. Larry is demoted and I'm reinstalled as rigger immediately. And a few shifts later, it is all smoothed over. Now, as I said, Larry and I are actually good friends now. We've been through a lot together and have each other's backs these days. He's now the foreman on our crew and lets me do my thing. Failing your way to the top is still a valid way of progressing in my field, but I'm happy for him. He's actually good at it. And I guess that's all there is to say about that. And there we go. That is the end of that one. Really enjoyed that revenge story. Um, You know, it's great, right? Isn't it? When you don't even have to do anything. Opie hasn't necessarily even done anything. But by letting Larry just get on with what he wants to do, 
knowing he's gonna f up and just saying yeah man you're the boss go for it it's almost as if he's just letting larry cause his own downfall it's very good to see you know what? It's actually quite nice that we see that Larry isn't actually a terrible person because I know people like this. I mean, I've been there myself. You think that everything's going well. You're doing an amazing job. Maybe you get a little bit arrogant, a little bit cocky, and you think you're better than you really are. And sometimes it does take a reality check like this to, to realize, oh, I'm not as good as I thought I was. Maybe I need to listen to people who know more than me and are good at their jobs. But yeah, for OP, easy. Got your job back. Good mates with the bloke now. For Larry, probably trying a little bit too hard to get to the top and it's not nice to push other people out your way but hey end of the day he's doing his thing now as the foreman op's got their job backs all good rigging by the way sounds very challenging i mean i would be terrible at that that's for sure if i was rigging this joint mate i'd be in the sky and i wouldn't be coming back down anytime soon but yeah very calm calculated revenge which i do like no malice in it really you actually clocked that no one was actually going to get hurt really as well just a bit of equipment damage so you knew that it wasn't going to be that serious but serious enough for you to probably get your job back yeah very nice cool calm collected chilled I'll have my job back. Larry, sit down, but you're also not a bad bloke. Good stuff. You might even say, if you want to, that is, the OP rigged Larry's demotion. Now, here's the thing about that. That came to me and I thought, is it worth saying that? And I've decided it was. I've said it now, and I'm not going to cut it out. So let me know in the comments down below. Was that pun worth it? I doubt it. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. So I recently had a run-in with UPS. UPS smashed a nearly new MacBook that I sent with them. I asked them nicely to pay me back for it, and they asked about, blaming me, blaming my packaging, saying it was impossible they damaged it, etc. I was able to prove that my packaging was flawless and get a statement from the Apple shop that I took it to to say it was damaged caused by being dropped or thrown. I could also prove it worked when I sent it. They weren't interested and messed me about for weeks, sending me from pillar to post, even threatening to make me pay interest on customs charges, which I wasn't liable for, as the laptop was smashed on arrival and thus worthless at imports. I took it to small claims. They hired a lawyer who sent me letters saying they contested it and would go for full fees, etc. if I lost. I went for it anyway. I did law stuff university, so I knew the basics and I thought my case was pretty clear cut. I won. I won my cost back, plus extra, plus interest. But they ignored the court order and didn't pay. Now, this laptop was originally being sent to my beloved mother-in-law. She asked me to help her with the problem as UPS were also seriously harassing her for the customs fees. However, very unexpectedly, before I could resolve it, she passed away. It was the last thing she ever asked me to do for her. I love that woman more than pretty much any human on this planet. She was my mother, my best friend, and my mentor. Taking down UPS was now my personal vendetta. I researched my options. I could have taken the usual, more conservative legal routes to reclaim my money, but no, screw them. 
I don't care about the money anymore. I want revenge. I want drama. I want karmic justice. I went to the high court. I got a writ of control. I, of course, added on more fees and more interest. I then hired the most aggressive bailiff firm in London. I trusted that the trashy processes and attitude of UPS to mean that they would ignore the letters and actually get a visit, they did. The bailiffs rock up at UPS headquarters and explain the situation. UPS refused to pay, so the bailiffs start listing goods. Security try and make them leave. The office manager tries to bully them out, but obviously no poops are given by the bailiffs and they crack on with their jobs. I wasn't allowed the body cam footage, but they did send me a detailed report. The final conclusion is copied below. Calls were then made to the accounts manager who arrived in a hurry. As no payment was forthcoming from them, the agent again explained the removal process and cost involved and called the office for approval to begin removals. The agent began to seize assets. The finance director then arrived on the scene. He was not at all happy about the attendance, but ultimately agreed to pay a voluntary payment in full from his personal accounts in order to stop the removal. Look, I know it's a drop in the ocean to UPS, but I got more than double what I originally asked for to replace the laptop. They would have had to pay even more on top in fees to the bailiffs. I reckon it cost them at least three times more than the original claim in the end. But mostly, I just enjoy the mental image of the flustered finance director and his impotent rage, having to pay his own money to stop the heavies taking desktop computers and fancy pot plants and things like that out of their swanky head office lobby. You know what, OP? Good on you. I think that most people in this situation may well have just said, ah, you know what? That's tough. It happens. What can I do about it? Some more, I don't know, brave people, I guess, might have gone down the route of going for something more logical and trying to get their money back, etc., etc. But when you've got this massive corporation saying, no, it was your fault, there really is a limit, in my head anyway, to what you could really do. But the fact that you went above and beyond and you didn't even care about the money anymore, you just wanted justice for your mum. Amazing stuff. Well done. Hey, I tell you what, that body cam footage would have been unbelievable though. If you ever get your hands on that, not that you will, please put it on Reddit and tag me because that would be amazing to watch. Imagine going in bailiffs into UPS main, you know, HQ and be like, you know, we're doing this properly. We're taking you guys stuff. You owe us money. Incredible. Good job. Stealing my girlfriend's Wi-Fi strained or ended their relationship. Some backstory. After my girlfriend moved to her new apartment, closer to both her sister and myself, she obviously wanted internet. Although she isn't fully tech-savvy, she does know her basics, and thus explicitly asked the provider if she should be worried about admin-admin kind of Wi-Fi protection. She was assured that it was all fully safe out of the box. No admin-admin. In fact, just press a button to connect her laptop and her Wi-Fi network would be fully secured. The incident. So a few months or years later, my girlfriend started to notice that her internet speed went down. This became very apparent while video chatting with some of her family members in Japan. Like I said, my girlfriend knows her basics, so she knew that it didn't have to be the internet connection itself. It could also be her laptop, or maybe the network cables had eroded due to age. She decided to cover as many options as possible before contacting her ISP support desk, so she asked me to help. I'm a geek, and I work within the field of ICT for over 30 years now. 
mostly as systems administrator, but also as IT manager or co-manager, during which I'd still try to keep tabs of my colleagues and even cover shifts if the need arose. So visiting my girlfriend and getting to show off my elite IT skills, perfect. It took me a moment, but I discovered the issue. Someone was leeching off her Wi-Fi. Technically, the ISP support staff were right. This wasn't an admin-admin kind of thing anymore. It was completely randomized. Sort of. You see, on their routers, the Wi-Fi password was the same as the random SSID, aka network name. Like, what the F? I was quite angry at both this incompetence, as well as the blatant disrespect for my girlfriend's privacy, maybe a bit too much. But yeah, sure, for some people, this is only about getting internet, but what many people overlook is that such leeches also gain access to your private network. So basically, they could also access any public Windows or Mac shares you may have active, not to mention any other connected devices. Fortunately, my girlfriend knew her basics, as I mentioned earlier, but I was still angry. The revenge. So I suggested something I had done earlier. Let's replace this POS router for a professional device. In specific, the same kind of ZYXEL router that I used at home, so that we could set up a secured VPN between ourselves and get some other nice feats as well, like a private VOIP connection. She agreed, so we bought her a new router together. We're talking professional gear here. These things cost about as much as a high-end smartphone, so obviously we were going to split the costs, considering that a mid-level could also have helped her out. Now, even though I consider her previous router a POS, I still have to admit that it did provide some very useful features, like a syslog service. It could also use USB storage. So, I turned on Wi-Fi logging, plugged in a large USB memory stick, and then we waited for the new router to arrive. Then, I got to work. First, I set up my girlfriend with a nice hidden Wi-Fi network so that no one could easily find it. Next, we set up a much better security scheme, and then it was time to get even with the lowlifes. I set up a second Wi-Fi network, which was completely the same as the previous one, but this time, I throttled it down a bit so that it couldn't usurp the full bandwidth. Then, I added some specific DNS overrides. DNS is a service on the internet which translates names into IP addresses, which is what your computer needs to connect to something. You may care about reddit.com, but all your PC cares about are the associated IP addresses. The thing is, this service can be easily overridden, and I studied the logs, so I knew exactly which sites the lowlies visited the most. So, from now on, going to banker.nl using this router would point your browser to a hardcore, not very legal, gay prawn website. Not very legal as in, the site didn't bother asking for consent first, but got you some close-up screenshots right away. Then it was time for bankb.nl. I redirected that one to a shady, hot scissors lesbian website. I also noticed that a certain webshop was sporadically used by the leeches, so I decided to redirect that one to a relationship counseling website. When you think your spouse is cheating on you, come to us. It was around that time when I noticed that my girlfriend's router was using a more modern firmware than I had on my router. This one also provided web redirection services. Companies can use this to redirect specific websites based on their URL to a local or more remote web page. So say you don't want your staff to use social media, 
then you could just tell the router to redirect, say, facebook.com, to a local webpage which explained the no social media allowed policy. Much to my delight, this service also supported a randomizer trigger. See, I still remembered a website from the early days of the internet. Something about a goat from Sweden, which was so horrible that it became a meme on its own. Seriously, a look at that picture could never be undone anymore. There's a reason I still remember the horror now, an easy 30 years later. So... I looked for and found a replacement and then happily added that to a randomized redirection service So every once in a while the leeches would open their favorite website and no matter whatever kind of site they asked for They'd always end up with something completely and utterly disgusting on their screen Then we waited I need to point out that my girlfriend didn't fully agree with some of my actions Especially when she learned of the aftermath But we never had an argument over this because she could also understand my pov Don't mess with my girlfriend and she agrees that if you trespass even in the digital world Then all bets are off and you lose your rights to a civil solution Don't mess with a geek. Okay the aftermath one day my girlfriend got home from work and noticed a huge moving van outside She gave it no further mind, but when she got to her front door, she noticed that her neighbor two doors over was moving out. She brought this up with her direct in-between neighbor a few days later, and as it turns out, things completely exploded over there. The shouting and accusations could even be heard through the walls. It seems the pair got into huge arguments about their rather explicit choice of websites, And once the deed was done, there was no room left for any kind of reasoning. One of the two even accused the other of hacking the internet because it was only after the first fallout that those goating pictures started to show up. As far as we knew, they broke up. For the record, I regret nothing. You know what? That's actually pretty insane if you think about it. A couple leeching off your internet, you realize they're doing so and you've inadvertently gone to the extent of destroying their relationship. It's incredible. Like, it really is good. Because you had no idea you were even doing it, really. Yes, you knew you were messing up their search and stuff like that, but you didn't know the inner working of their relationship and you didn't realize how much conflict you were causing by doing this. It's really good. It's also very fair because ultimately they are stealing from you and, you know, they're making your life worse and they're taking stuff from you without asking and without paying. That's very poor. The fact that they're they're moving out or divorcing or whatever, that's crazy. Just over the internet. Yeah, pretty crazy couple anyway. Well deserved. Now guys, before I go, um, just for me, don't look up that goat meme. Because I've done a bit of research. Seriously, don't don't look it up. If you know, you know. It's mental. Turnabouts is always fair play. I'm not sure if this one belongs here, as I was not the one actually wronged. My revenge was taken for someone I've never met and I honestly don't know if they personally got any satisfaction from it I do know what it did to the perpetrator and that it satisfied me So i'll let you guys decide like many of my tales This one takes place in the distant past before cell phones were common and before universal caller id was the norm in a time dinosaurs most likely roamed the earth Well, the 80s at least. These things are very important to the story. Our tale takes place in a large West Coast city known for a big orange bridge and delicious sourdough bread. 
I was living in the city for several months working temporary duty for my company and was preparing for work on the day in question As was my custom. I was getting dressed listening to the morning radio show on a local station This station's jocks had started doing something called the monday morning wake-up call Where on the first day of the week they would make a prank call on the air to a victim chosen from writing suggestions from the listening audience now doing this was actually very controversial in radio circles at the time i've been a radio dj in my hometown for a few years and there are rules you must follow one of the biggest rules is that you can't make a false or deceptive radio transmission like announcing an emergency sending an sos or cry for help or other such deceptions doing so is a federal offense you can lose your license and be fined or even do jail time It's a big no-no the debate has long since been decided But at the time doing prank calls on the air was a gray area There were people who were sure it constituted a false transmission and some stations refused to do it The argument was still alive at the time this happened This day happened to be monday and the intended victim had been nominated by her husband They had experienced a power failure at home earlier in the week and the husband's suggestion was that the station call his wife Claim to be from the utility and tell her that the power outage was somehow their fault and they would have to pay for it The station staff loved the idea and they proceeded to call the wife at her place of employment a local bank The victim answered and the prank began Hello, is this mrs. Victim? I'm john doe from area power company Do you remember having a power failure earlier this week? Well, it was due to a blown transformer on your block and we've determined that the cause is a wiring fault in your house We may have to cut off your power until you get it fixed Also, you will be charged for the transformer. The total cost is x thousand dollars Which prefer we put that on your utility bill or do you want to make other arrangements to pay? As you might imagine the woman was shocked then scared as she asked for more information having trouble believing that they were going to have to pay thousands of dollars she got increasingly more upset this egged the radio staff on the guy making the call kept increasing the pressure on her more and more eventually telling her that her power would likely be cut off until payment was made and that there might be a lawsuit after several minutes she suddenly hung up in tears he called her back and when she heard his voice she hung up again crying even harder this time the guy waited a minute and then called back again another lady then answered the phone a co-worker and he asked to speak to mrs victim when the co-worker asked his name he replied this is her husband the co-worker cursed at him called him a liar and hung up the radio studio was filled with laughter The jocks thought it was hilarious. They took calls from listeners who were all laughing and talking about what a great prank it was. They finally got the husband on the phone and he was also laughing and joking that he'd surely be sleeping on the sofa tonight. He was congratulating the radio staff on the fine job they'd done, terrorizing his wife. The radio host promised the listening audience that because the prank was so funny, they would certainly be playing the whole recorded prank again at noon. So be sure to be listening and call your friends I in my efficiency apartment listening to this was getting mad I was still pretty newly married and I couldn't imagine doing something like that to my wife All I could think of while the staff and listeners on the radio were laughing was that a few miles away A young woman was in the ladies room crying 
probably with co-workers trying to calm her down What made it worse to my mind was that the guy who set her up for this was the one guy in the world who should have had her back Her husband anger turned to resolve resolve formed a plan I grabbed the city phone book Remember it's the 80s and looked up two phone numbers I called the first one. You may remember that I said I'd been a radio disc jockey myself. It was a tiny dawn to dust station, but I knew how stations worked. I knew what they liked, and more to the point, I knew what they did not like. I'd also done a lot of voiceover work and could sound professional as heck. The phone rang and was answered. You've reached Kyle, radio jerk. I launched my attack. I began in a professional voice. Yes, this is George Smith. I picked a more believable name from the city office of the Federal Communications Commission. I've been getting some disturbing calls about your morning radio show, and I need to speak to your program director to discuss it. The radio guy stammered. Uh, he's not, um, here right now. Let me get you someone else. I was put on hold, and after a few moments... Hi, uh, hello, this is Radio Guy 2. Um, you're from the FCC? Yes, this is George Smith from the Office of the Federal Communications Commission. As I told your co-worker, I've been getting some disturbing calls about your morning radio show, and I need to speak to your program director to discuss it. Uh, he's not in yet. He'll be here at, um, nine o'clock. Okay, well, I can start with your station manager, since he will need to be in the conversation as well. The radio guy was breathing fast at this point, starting to lose all his composure. Oh, wow, um, he gets in at nine too. I, um, I, I can, um, can I have him call you? He half asked and half pleaded. I let out what I hoped was a bureaucratic sounding sigh. Very well. I will expect to hear from him at nine. I will need to speak to your station manager, your programming director, and very likely your on-air personnel from this morning. I'll also need your station logs. Oh, yes, sir. I'll make sure he calls you right away. All right. Well, I'll be expecting his call. Here's my number. At this point, I gave the radio guy the second number I'd looked up in the phone book. The main number for the Office of the Federal Communications Commission. The radio guy stammered his thanks and promises of phone calls, and we hung up. I went back to the radio. The jerk disc jockey said, "Uh Uh-oh, the FCC is calling. Well, they can't do anything to me. I've got a year of pre-law in college and blah, blah, blah. He continued his defiance for a few minutes and then went to commercial. I kept listening. They stopped talking about the prank call. They stopped taking phone calls from listeners. They stopped talking to the husband. They started playing music. A lot of music. I listened for the rest of the day. They didn't talk about it the rest of that day, and they didn't replay it at noon. In fact, for the rest of the week I listened and heard nothing about it. I was a bit surprised. I figured that they might stop talking about it for a little while, but not altogether. It wasn't until later that I realized why they went so silent. I had scared them. In my quest to get a little vengeance for that crying woman I'd never met, I scared them. But more to the point, I'd embarrassed them and jerk disc jockey had helped. Once he went live with his bravado against the call from the feds, their listeners knew they'd been called and heard the silence afterwards too. They were embarrassed because I'd just done to them what they'd done to her and they didn't even want to admit it. Now I've kept the name of this poor woman's husband a secret because I've always wished that I could meet that woman and her husband's name would be how I would know it was really her. I doubt she's still married to the guy, but I'd like to let her know that in that place, on that day, 
someone had her back. And there we go. That is the end of that story. I've got to say that is hands down one of the best revenge stories I've read. First of all, amazingly well written and structured. I enjoyed that. But secondly, I cannot believe that radio stations in the past were allowed to do this. Look, I'm all for a good prank in good nature that people can laugh at. But when it's malicious like this and you're really causing this woman to go through such a terrible moment in her life. I mean, yeah, genuinely floods of tears. She's probably thinking about the insane amount of debt that she's about to get into and the fact that she'll have no power to her house. All for what? A couple of cheap malicious laughs on the radio? Why? That's insane. And also, her own husband has done this to her. Yeah, I agree with you, OP. I doubt that they're still together, and I very much hope that they're not still together. But wow, the fact that this sort of stuff used to exist is mental to me. Thank God that people like you exist, OP. People that are going to take things into their own hands and enact some sort of revenge like this. Ultimately, I don't know what happened to this woman, so we can't say if this revenge was successful or not, but at least this radio station got a little taste of their own medicine, embarrassing them, pranking them to a good extent. But wow, what a horrible thing to have done i can't really believe that was allowed bad boyfriend takes the walk of ultimate shame this happened about 16 years ago my friend let's call her maria had been dating a guy called oscar for two and a half years or so when she found out on the grapevine if you live in a small town you'll understand that oscar had betrayed her he'd been to a party got a girl drunk and slept with her news of his actions had spread as gossip does the worst part of it was that it seemed that it wasn't the first time that had happened by a long shot Well, Maria heard and plotted revenge. She invited him to her flat for a special afternoon of fun with her and her friend Vanessa. Oscar could not resist temptation, so he went. Picture the scene. He goes into the building where she lives, gets into the lift to go up to the 10th floor to get to her apartment. He rings the bell. He can hear music playing from behind the door. She opens the door and he walks in and sees that both his girlfriend Maria and her friend Vanessa are there each wearing a sexy silk negligee. Maria is holding a blindfold and tells him to wear it. He agrees and she puts it on him and tells him to strip naked. While he was busy, Vanessa put her clothes back on, walked out the apartment, leaving a doorstop to keep the door open and called the lift. That's an elevator to you Americans. She then walked back in, grabbed Oscar's clothes and threw them out the window into the car park below. She then left the apartment and went down the stairs, ringing doorbells as she descended. Meanwhile, Maria had been leading Oscar around the apartment, disorienting him, and then led him out the apartment, closed the door behind her, and got in the lift alone, calling him an unfaithful butthole whose clothes are in the car park before the lift doors closed. Oscar ripped off the blindfold and must have realized how screwed he was as he had to walk down 10 flights of stairs, buck naked, passing laughing neighbors all the way. He collected his clothes and Maria never saw him again. You see, revenge stories like this, I just absolutely love because imagine the high and then the low for this bloke. Like, that's so tough. He thinks he's about to have one of the best moments of his bloody life. Right, a cheeky threesome, two beautiful girls, his girlfriend their mate, in sexy lingerie. Like, what is going to go wrong here? Everything. Imagine walking downstairs through, like, an apartment block, everyone laughing at you. You've got your big old, well, probably small old cheva out. And that's about that. Does it get much worse? Like, the high to the low, incredible. What fall from grace? Hey, don't you own your girlfriend? Simple as that. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 